0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, the game just ended for me just a little bit ago. Um, from what I can tell so far, it kind of feels like we're all more or less on the same page. Um, I'm actually surprised I'm not having to play reeling everybody back in that, you know, that role. My expectation was, I'm going to come out here and be like, look, it wasn't great, but it's still a win, and everyone's just going to freak out. But from what I've seen, I mean, everybody has concerns, but nobody's kind of freaking out. And the general sentiment that I've seen from everybody so far is, I'll take it. It's a win, and I'll take it. Um, I do think that it was a win. Obviously, it was a win. But I do think that's the right attitude, and I'll talk about that for several reasons. But we're, we're, we're going to have to address the elephant slash elephants in the room. And, and there are two for me. Number one is obvious. And it's really not even worth dedicating a ton of time to. Although every time I say that I go on a 45 minute rant about it, but special teams. Um, I mean, it's, it went from angering to embarrassing to being so bad, you just can't help but laugh to the point of I'm just I'm not laughing anymore. And, um, I mean, e- even last week at this time, I said somebody needs to be fired. They have to be fired. Maurice Drayton has to be fired. Well, that's not going to fix anything. He has to be fired. I'm sorry. This is unacceptable. They're not playing for him. They're not even thinking. They're not prepared. They don't know what they're doing, for the love of g- all things. I've never seen a delay of game on a punt unless it was intentional. You know, once in a while they, they'll take it to back themselves up a little bit. Never in my life have I seen that. And they were just sitting there. I'm trying to think to myself, why would they do this? Because it, it it felt intentional. Because the, cl- they were ready, they were ready for for 13 seconds, just standing there. And I'm watching the clock wind down, and I'm thinking, what? You know, maybe if they're just playing against the clock, they're thinking, well, we're not going to get backed up that much, so it doesn't make a difference. So we'll just, you know, that one extra second makes that big of a day. I, I I could not figure it out because it just didn't seem possible. That they just didn't or couldn't get it off because clearly they could. They were ready. Snap the ball. What? I, I, even even now, I don't know. And and you know the the press conferences are incoming, so a lot of these things are probably going to be popping up. I should probably be paying attention to um, paying attention to some of our reporters because usually they start live tweeting some of this. I see MVS is up there right now. MVS, man. I, we'll, we'll get into the individuals and the positives and stuff. He had a great day. We'll just leave it at that for now. Where is the guy I'm looking for? I'm just going to have to type in his name. I got Schneidman already, but he's usually not the better of the two. <laughs> picture of Stokes flipping off the camera for some reason. Probably going to get a fine for that for some reason. All right, I got those up. We'll we'll, we'll get some uh, comments from the press conferences and whatnot in a little bit. But, um, I mean, it's it just... Th- this is not just pure execution, right? This is not just... Well, we just happen to have... The worst players in history. I mean, it doesn't. The point is, it doesn't matter what guys we put out there. We we keep changing who's out there, and a lot of these guys have been on this team for a long time. Have played special teams for a long time for us and for other teams. It's not the fact that this is just. It's just a, a collection of the worst special teamers you'll you'll ever find. That's not the reality. This is a much deeper issue. I I don't know for sure. But there was when we had lined up for an onside kick and Aaron Rodgers was losing his mind and the only thing I could hear him or see him mouthing was there's four minutes left. There's still four minutes left. What is he doing? I have to assume he was screaming about Maurice Drayton saying, why are we lined up expecting an onside kick? They're not going to kick an onside kick. There's four minutes left. I don't know that for sure. That was my interpretation of the situation. And who knows? Maybe that was Matt LaFleur's decision. I don't know. I'm assuming he delegates that to his special teams coordinator. But it's things like that. Again, we've seen Coach Hahn say, this is terrible. Why are they doing this? We've seen or heard Pat McAfee say he's watched our special teams unit and is like, uh, they're not supposed to be doing that. That's not right. This is basic special team stuff that our guys are not doing. And now they they are just so emotionally deflated that this this even more so falls on the coach because they've given up. They're they're, not—they're done. There needs to be some kind of a change. At this point, if nothing else, first of all, you're going to send a message. This is unacceptable. We don't do this in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We are a championship football team. We're here to win a Super Bowl, and we're not going to win with this BS special teams play. That's number one. It's a message. Number two, it's a placebo. These guys are so demoralized. They're so up in their own head. They're so terrified of just making a simple mistake that they're making mistakes. If we throw this thing out and reboot it and give some fake BS rah-rah speech where Matt LaFleur goes, and remember when Mike McCarthy started sitting in on uh, all the special teams meetings because we were so bad because this is a historic problem for the Packers being bad on special teams? Even if we can just fake it, just fake it, just pretend we're we're putting our energy into this. We're going to have the best special teams in football moving forward. But you can't do that with Maurice Trayton still at the helm. He has to be fired. You have to put somebody else in. And you have to give this fake not... Because, again, we're just trying to get up in these guys' heads. Because they're not this bad. Nobody is this bad. All they have to do is run down and tackle. It's not that complicated, but they don't know what they're doing. I'm so sorry for Maurice, but this is this is stupid. And and all I could think, you know, when, when there was that delay of game penalty and Matt LaFleur hung his head out, I just said, what are you hanging your head for? This is on you. This is on you. This is your special teams now. This is no longer Marie Trayton's fault. He has demonstrated what he can do for the special teams. He has shown everybody what he can do for the special teams, and they're getting worse every single week. And every week that you stand by him and you stand by what we're doing and you continue on with the status quo of the special teams, nothing's going to change. Why would it? You're not changing anything. So believe me, I fully understand that there is no brilliant, genius special teams coach that's just waiting to be hired out there. And even if he was, they don't have any time to come in and revamp all this and say, here's how we run special teams and here's how we're going. I I don't care. Hire somebody within, from within, that is just a rah-rah guy. It doesn't matter. Hire the strength and conditioning coach that's screaming in your face when you're trying to, you know, bench press or, 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 you know, squat. Let's just find somebody that screams in people's faces. Let's see how it goes. The, the point is, they, they don't believe in Murray Drayton anymore. This team does not believe in him anymore. They're not playing for him anymore. I want to play this for you. Um, this was just posted from... Um, that was not supposed to start playing yet. This was posted from Jair Alexander's Instagram. So there's a lot of Instagram stuff, and they're, they're going wild in the locker room. And the reason is... We made the playoffs. We won the division. It's official. We're in the playoffs. We locked it up. Uh, we're the first team to officially be in the playoffs. Not that that was always going to be a done deal, or, or not that we didn't think we weren't going to get into the playoffs, but the point is, we're officially NFC North champions. So they're having a party. There's a lot of Instagram videos, but I want to play this for you and just listen to what what's here. This is Jair Alexander, and you can hear somebody else in the background. And he's standing next to Joe Barry. So he's going to say Joe B. He's referring to Joe Barry. And Joe Barry's right there with him, pointing at his T-shirt. They're just having a party. But listen to this. Joe B. Joe B right here. That's D.C. in the country. In the NFL. So they're, 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 f- first of all, they're living it up, right? I mean, some of us are hemming and hawing and complaining. They're not complaining. They, they won a tough, scrappy matchup um, in a tough environment. Again, I told you how Baltimore does at home what are they, 5-1 or something to that effect? They don't lose very often at home. They knew it was going to be a tough matchup. They won. But but beyond that, Jair's in there. He says, Joe B, right? And then what do you hear the guy in the background say? Best DC in the country, in the NFL. They love him. They love Joe Barry. And that means something. They believe in him. They believe that with him at the helm, there's no stopping him because they've seen it. And so The other elephant in the room that I wanted to address is the defense because it's starting to scare me. I've been pointing out for some time, because you know, Packer fans kind of like to hold on to positive narratives for a little bit too long. And I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but at some point I kind of come in and I'm like, look, I yeah, man, super stoked, but have we looked at this recently? Or I did that with Devondre Campbell. Fortunately, he bounced back, but this whole he's the best linebacker in the country, He's he's the best, he's the best, he's the best. Packer fans kept saying that when he had had about three bad weeks in a row, and it was like, yeah, he's super good. Hey, we should talk about this real quick. He's kind of struggling. There's been a continuing narrative about the Packers that I've kind of brought up very gently several times without kind of just screaming it. And I think last week against the the Bears, and, and probably even beyond that, the special teams being as bad as it was, it was easier to cover it up. As bad as special teams was, this, this is on the defense. Many of these drives that they gave up were all the way across the field. Now, you know, there were additional issues with the mobile quarterback that kind of bit us. But, I mean, let's, let's face it. This felt like, a, a, I don't know, 20, 2019, 2016. I, I, don't, I don't know what years it would have been. But classic Packers, which is if we punt, we're in trouble. We're, we're 100% relying. On, I mean, we had a two-touchdown lead, and we're kind of nervous, and rightly so. But this is important. Now, if they keep losing, they're going to lose this, right? They're going to start to lose faith in Joe Barry. They're going to start to lose faith in each other. They're going to start to lose that swagger, which is unfortunate because Jair isn't even back yet. Zedarius isn't even back yet. So they need to just hang on to that a little bit longer, and hopefully those guys come back, and we can, we can kind of reclaim a little bit of this. And again, the mobile quarterbacks have caused us a little bit of problems. There have been so many times there should have been sacks, but these guys are able to escape. Rashawn Gary almost a, almost sacked the guy three times on one play and ends up escaping and getting another you know, three yards out of it or something. It does cause problems. All the stunts go right out the window. And whenever we decide to do it because we haven't gotten pressure in a while, he kills us around the edge. And if we don't do it, we don't get home. And then they just dink and dunk us down the field. So it's just we, we didn't really have an answer for it. We had Darnell Savage on their tight end, and and make no mistake, Mark Andrews, you know he came into this game with a 90 overall grade. He's an elite tight end, and he's got what looked like a hundred pounds on Darnell Savage, and he used it to his advantage. I don't I don't want to make light of it because at the end of the day, you got to make adjustments, you got to make it work. But outside of you know throwing to Mark Andrews and the quarterback running, you know Hollywood Brown, what did he do outside of his five yard receptions? Tylen Wallace was a really big name for a while. He didn't really do very much in this game. So it wasn't all bad, and we can try to make some excuses and whatnot, but at the end of the day, they do have to be better. They do have to have answers, and they didn't really have answers. And even, you know, as my, I'd love to give them credit for closing the game out. Even the way that it got closed out, I mean, they let them drive all the way down the field. And they were playing soft, which I think was just bad calls. They just they, they kept saying, okay, we'll give you the five yards. Don't. There's too much time for that. You can't give up five-yard plays because they're going to take it and they're going to get all the way down the field with it. Not only that, they did give up the touchdown, so they didn't come up clutch there. They technically stopped the two-point conversion, but it was it was a terrible throw. I think the biggest issue was a really bad throw. I think if the throw was put on the money, you know, kind of low and away, he probably catches that for two points. And then we're trying to go, you know, we got 40 seconds to get down the field and kick a field goal, and who knows if we win or not. So, you know, I can't even really give credit for that. But again, I don't I don't think it was all bad. And and. The bigger point that I'm making here, because we do have to start addressing the defense, and we do have to start looking it in the face and saying, look, this they're not as good as they were. And if they don't get the big splash plays, if you don't see the strip sack, which we usually get, you know we'll, we'll get some kind of big splash plays once a game. You get the pick six, or you get the pick, or, or the strip. If you don't get that, it really just starts to look ugly. Because if they're moving down the field and you're not really getting any big plays, it kind of looks like they're just pushing you around at will, and that's more or less what happened. So, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's just not a lot of excuses for it. I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but it does need to be addressed because, again, what I had said before was with the defense playing the way that it is, if we can get this offense back on track, if we can get Aaron Rodgers playing the way that he had played and, and you know, kind of get that thing moving like it is right now, this team is unstoppable. But of course, right when the offense gets going, and the and the offense is going like I have rarely seen, it. it is a beautiful sight to behold, and it's it's not even nearly as good as it should be because our offensive line is so bad, but it is, and, he, it, and Lazard had a terrible day, and you would barely even know it because, oh my goodness, unstoppable. And you can complain about that while, you know, they had so many guys out. Their defense is not, I mean, if we're going to play this game about not giving their offense credit because they, you know... Haven't scored a lot of points or whatever. Their defense has not given up a lot of points to anybody. That's a tough, scrappy defense. I don't know how they're doing it, but they do it, and they're at home. And plus, you know, again, it's it's you can't have one or the other. It's it's and or or and and or whatever. If we're going to give the defense a hard time for giving up a bunch of points, then we need to give credit to the offense for getting a bunch of points. And and they are. Oh man, Saints game starting. Please, they are. But um, I mean, again, the the elephant in the room here is that while we're we're kind of staring down the barrel of the same Packers team we've always seen. And I hate to say that, but that's where we're at right now. And, and the, the worst part is, not only is it this dominant uh, offense with Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level and a defense that can't do anything, now we've got one of the worst special teams units I've ever seen in my life. So that's, yeah, that's starting to make me a little bit nervous. I'm not definitively saying our defense is cooked or anything like that. They, they come up clutch in, in, in clutch situations and all that stuff. We'll see how it goes, but it is making me nervous. It is making me nervous that not only are they giving up big-time points week after week after week, we're giving up big-time point big time points to teams that do not score a lot of points. Baltimore has not scored this many points in a long time. Chicago never scores that many points. I think like week one or something, they got to like 30, and that was it. So, I mean, it's 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 getting bad and, and the special teams does play a part in it but it wasn't nearly to the extent of last week where there was almost almost every time this time I would say most of the time it was a defensive failure when the defense failed it was a defensive failure so again I don't, I don't want to dwell on it too much um, at the end of the day it's it's the NFL and um, you know I think a lot of us came into this with the feeling that, as injured as they are, especially not having their quarterback, the score should be like 35-3, to 3, and anything other than that, then that is a failure. And again, it, it wasn't as clean as it should be, but it is the NFL, and these are very good football players. Um, Hollywood Brown has blossomed into a very good wide receiver. Mark Andrews is, and has been for a while, one of the best tight ends in football. He hasn't talked about as much because he's not uh, Travis Kelsey, and he's not uh, the guy over in San Francisco, but I don't really know why. Because he's he's on that level. Maybe it's just a statistics thing. I'm not really sure, but he always is right on that level. Um, and and I think part of it too is they they win a lot of games because they're well coached. And for quite a long time, I could not understand why Harbaugh was the coach there. They were just not a very good team, and I thought he was about to get fired. I think it was Lamar's first year, and Lamar looked really really bad. And that was when they extended him. And I remember thinking, you got to be kidding me. And they extended him. Lamar wins MVP, and they they just keep on rolling. So. Um, I mean, they came into the game 8-5. and five. It's not like it was a three-win team. And, and even if it was, look at the Cardinals. You know, again, I, I'm sure some of you guys are tired of me saying that, but that's just the reality. Whether we want to face it or not, there was no guarantee we were going to win this game. There just wasn't. There, there was no, hey, their quarterback's hurt, so the Packers automatically win this game. They have to win the game. No, we don't. Every single game is a scrap. And, and deep down, we know that. You know why we know that? Because we also know we're better than the Cleveland Browns, and we know that we might lose that game. We know we're, probably know we're better than the Vikings. We certainly know we can lose that game. And even Detroit. There's a part of us that saw Arizona lose to Detroit and think, thank you so much, Detroit, but also thought, dude, are we going to lose to Detroit? <laughs> it's football, dude. I mean, Miami is another great example. Miami was, what, what was their record? The Miami Dolphins were 1-7 and seven and have won five in a row. Five in a row they might be in the playoffs. It's not super likely. They have to beat the Titans. They have to beat the Patriots. They have to beat the Saints. But it's just, it's football, man. You you can't count anybody out. You never know who's going to give you your best or your worst or who's going to show up or who's not. I mean, honestly, is there any game ever in an NFL season that you'd be willing to put your life savings on? Of course not. Of course not. And you know it. And so with that in mind, this is a, again, this is a, a... Well-coached team with some quality players, granted, lots of injuries, and maybe we could even assume, well, if they were at full strength, they would have beat us. Yeah, probably. And if we were at full strength, we would have beat them even more. It's one of those, what do you you want me to say? Part of the issues we had was Dennis Kelly. He had, I mean, there were two really big pressures slash sacks, as well as, what, two penalties on Dennis Kelly today? That really hurt us. Why did that happen? Because Billy Turner got injured. We had injuries too. We have issues too. And, and, you know, a lot of people are hung up on Lamar. Lamar has been struggling and considering how well this guy ran, I don't know that Lamar would have been a ton better. Um, I, I got a lot of messages from people saying, you know, I can't believe we're getting picked apart by this no name, you know, garbage quarterback, whatever. And I get it. But at the end of the day, he wasn't doing much. It wasn't like he was doing um, miraculous things. It was this really dominant tight end was getting open. And so he just had these little layup throws, you know what I mean? So we, in a sense, we're not getting beat by him, although we kind of were with his legs, but he's not a bad runner, so that's not a knock against us. It's not like Tom Brady's beating us on the ground. We're getting beat by Mark Andrews, and that's a little bit more respectable. It's not fun, and it's not great, but we you got to stop thinking of it as we're getting beat by this quarterback. No, you're getting beat by Mark Andrews. That's, again, still not great, still need to figure out a way to do it, but it's just its a little bit more accurate way of looking at it and a little bit less of a black eye. Anyways, um, I think that's... Plenty with the negative. I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Special teams is a disaster. They have to do something. They refuse to do anything. We'll see if anything changes. Um, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they tr- change course. Um, I know Matt Lafleur said they're not. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I mean, it's I don't know, sixty percent they don't do anything, but I'm I'm to almost forty percent that they do something because it's again this this is this is Matt Lafleur right now. This is not Maurice Strayton's special teams. This is Matt Lafleur's special teams. This needs to be rectified. It, it. This needs to go all the way to the top. It is all the way to the top. This is your team. If the offense isn't working, you fix it. If the defense isn't working, you fix it. If the special teams isn't working, you fix it. you cannot just pass this off and go. I don't know, man. That's Mo's thing. What are you, what are you gonna do about Mo? Nah, eh, nothing. It's a little. It's a little late in the season. There's really nothing I could do. My hands are tied. That's such a BS thing to say, and I'm. I'm. I'm really not. I'm just not buying it. Well, there's nothing you can do at this point. Okay. Anyways, uh, why don't we take a break here? We'll come back on the other side, start talking about some of these positives. Hey, New Orleans is up three to nothing. I'm sure that won't last, but I dig it. Man, would that be huge if they could just find a way. Just find a way, man. I haven't done a laughing at the enemy for Tampa, I don't think. We got to get on that. But uh, we'll take a break. Come back, focus on some of the positives. We had some observations from the peoples on Patreon, and we got some interview stuff and lots and lots of things to go to, so going to take a long time. We'll take a break. Patreon.com, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. It'd be greatly appreciated, but we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. Uh when you scored, I know you have like a friendly banter with Kenny. Uh, he tweeted that you are the, the malt ball that scored. Do you have a uh, rebuttal to that? Nah, I'll, I'll save it for a, a later time. I know he's he's dealing with some some personal stuff with smelling bad all the time, so I don't really want to get too deep in that. Um, you know, I can smell him from here, uh, so we'll just leave it at we'll leave it at that. So for those I couldn't quite hear because the audio is trash. After MVS, and I think she misquoted it anyways, but after MVS scored, Kenny Clark tweeted, Milk Dud scored. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but uh, I think that's racist, man. I don't think you can say that, Kenny. I know if I said it, (laughs) this this would be my last podcast. No, I I honestly have no idea what Milk Dud could possibly mean. (laughs) I actually just found it. (laughs) Again, I don't know what it's supposed to mean, but I know I'm not allowed to say it. He said on Twitter, and this was uh, October 22nd, 2021. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, even even October 22nd, MVS says, if you're having a bad day, here's me as a kid, enjoy. And he posted pictures of himself as a kid. Kenny responded to that and said, if you want to have an even better day, here are some more pictures of my guy, MVS. And he took a picture of, of a milk dud. <laughs> implying that that's what he looks like as a kid. So he brought that full circle and said, hey, the Milk dud scored. (laughs) Anyways, um, MVS follows that up with, uh, Kenny Clark's having some issues right now with smelling bad. (laughs) By the way, he also said, if you want to have an even better today, here are some more pictures of my guy. One of the pictures was, um, I believe it's a character from South Park, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, without getting too graphic, he lives in a toilet. So th- th- if you aren't following those two guys on Twitter, by the way, their banter is one of the greatest things. Um, I would take that over Tuesdays with Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee's show, by the way. I mean, I know you get more insights. It's probably more valuable for me as a podcaster needing some juicy intel. But um, that is some high-quality material, man, because it's, it's just two guys being just two guys, and it's hilarious. It's, it's sort of like that little bit of the locker room that usually stays hidden behind the locker room. That's just leaking out onto Twitter, and I'm, I'm so grateful that they give us a little bit of that. By the way, if you want to hear a little bit more about how much this team gets along, and, and again... When people talk, and I'm not going to go on a diatribe about Matt LaFleur here, I promise, but when people talk about he's not a very good coach, remember how bad things were when Mike McCarthy, and not, not the whole time. There, there were great times under Mike McCarthy. I don't mean to keep throwing him under the bus, but toward the end of that era, things were bad. Ted Thompson was a great GM, but things were getting bad. Mike McCarthy was a great coach. Things started to get bad, right? Everything got bad, but the locker room was really, really bad. It was really, really becoming toxic. And his ability to turn this around has been great. So, so, not only do you have that dynamic of MVS and Kenny Clark, which is such a weird thing—you got an offensive and defensive guy, and it's not even like a lineman and a defensive lineman. It's a defensive tackle and a wide receiver. I mean, they couldn't be more opposite. You've got a nose tackle and our scrawny speed guy. <laughs> it's the, it's, they should seriously—if if they ever start a podcast, I'm done. I, I'm 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 completely done. They're gonna ruin me. If they start a podcast, because that's gonna be the greatest Packers podcast of all time. I hope they go over to YouTube and mess with Tom Grossi's stuff. Just don't mess with my thing over here. It's it would be a better like sitcom TV video thing, anyways. So they need to they need to get a thing going over there. Um, but anyways, um, if you want to hear more about how great this has become. And and you know, it's, it's like I said with the Bears, part of the problem and why you fire the guys is because it's becoming toxic. And, the, and even the Bears fans talk about this they they're worried that that's going to rub off on justin fields and that's that's all true but here's something else and, and i want to preface this no you know what I'll, I'll wait until after here is aaron Rodgers after the game kind of just giving his general thoughts um it's a it's a special feeling to still be playing to still feel like i can play at a high level to be surrounded by such a great group of guys uh with amazing eclectic personalities they keep me laughing and smiling all the time i'm just really happy to be a part of this squad um the So first of all, shout out to Dara. I believe the Jair clip as well as this are both uh, things that he went out and found and put on Twitter, so I was able to find it. But, you know, his his thing is, this is a guy who's supposed to be leaving, question mark. That's what Dara said. You know, there was a quote on Pat McAfee's show where people were freaking out about Aaron Rodgers because he said something to the effect of, you know, I love playing football. And Pat McAfee pushed him on it and said, you love being a Green Bay Packer? And he said, I love playing football. And everybody took that and ran with it. But if you listen to the full clip, He talked about how he really doesn't want to elaborate. He doesn't want to talk about what his plans are. He wants to play his cards close to the vest. But what he said immediately after that made it very clear that he loves being a Green Bay Packer and he wants to stay a Green Bay Packer. And then it was only after that when they tried to push him and get him to say that he loved being a Packer. He just wouldn't do it. But I absolutely took that interview, and you can go back and find it. It was, I believe, last Tuesday on Pat McAfee's show. It's a very long segment, but it's in there. Um, he, he even said, I, I believe the way that he said, I, t- I don't have time to go back and find it. Maybe tomorrow I'll try to tee it up. But it was, he, he came out and said, I don't want to say anything because it's kind of, I, I want to keep it between us and I don't want to air out the laundry and all that. But let me just say that. And then he went on to talk about how much he loves the team. To me, that's saying, I don't want to give away too much, but let's just say I'm really, really happy right now to be a Green Bay Packer. That is essentially what he said. And then he followed that up with that next clip that everybody freaked out about. But Aaron Rodgers has given nothing but, but signals that he wants to stay. And a lot of people, uh, I think uh, J.J. was one of them, kind of messaged me, or we were talking about it a little bit. And his contention is, oh, Aaron Rodgers definitely wants to stay, but I don't think the Packers want to keep him. And I don't necessarily think that's true. The reason I think Aaron Rodgers is going to stay is because I felt it hinged on Rodgers, and he feels it hinges on the team. I felt it hinged on the team until 2020. When he won MVP, I think the Packers have been 100% in on Aaron Rodgers. They started to shift gears because it made sense at the time. Aaron Rodgers was disgruntled. The team was falling apart. Aaron Rodgers wasn't dragging this team anymore. He clearly wasn't playing at a super high level. I know a lot of Packer fans want to deny that. Oh, that's not true. He was never declining. That never happened. It was just this, that, or the other. No, he was. He was. And he started to regain that a little bit in 2019. 2020, he went off. And 2021, he's doing it again. He is the guy that they want. And I think that they're going to, there's no reason to move on at this point. I could be wrong, but I think that was the plan. And I think after 2020, they shifted gears. Now, it is true that Rodgers wanted instant commitment and they kind of shuffled their feet a little bit. And that set Rodgers off and that kind of caused some problems. But my contention is the Packers have said we're all in on Aaron Rodgers, and I think they mean it. it. It is going to be an absolute mutiny, and rightly so. If they've been saying all this time, we want Aaron Rodgers, we want him to sign on the dotted line, we want him to commit, we want him to be here, and then Aaron Rodgers says, okay, I'm willing to stay, and they're like, "Now we're going to trade you. Right? That's that's an issue. And I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I, I understand the Packers want to say, let's wait and see how it hap- how it goes. Let's see... Jordan Love's development. Let's see if Rodgers maybe gets injured. Let's see if he starts to decline or whatever. 2 years in a row, he's basically playing at an MVP level. He's playing out of his mind. Jordan Love, you know, again, I don't know what he's going to be, but he certainly hasn't proven to be anything spectacular in the little bit that we've seen him. And again, from what I've seen when when he was supposed to start, it sounded to me like Matt LaFleur wanted nothing to do with him. He he sounded like a coach that was conceding this game to the Chiefs. So he, again, I'm reading between the lines, but everything to me feels like Aaron Rodgers wants to be here. Everything to me says the Packers want to keep Aaron Rodgers. Everything just makes sense. And, and again, this is coming from a guy who says, I think it made sense to start moving in the direction away from Aaron Rodgers. And they didn't trade him. They didn't get rid of him. They just set themselves up so that if things continue in a negative direction, if the team continues in a negative direction with Aaron Rodgers, if he continues to be unhappy and also is not producing at a high level, we at least have a quarterback we can turn to and we can start to explore our options. We want to just keep our options open. That's all it was. And Aaron Rodgers saw that and said, I don't think so, and just blew up. Cool. So let's continue. And I, I just, I think, I think that's where we're at. Um... Again, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm sitting back watching Bears fans and, and Vikings fans and everybody else just getting all giddy about he's gone, he's going to be gone, you guys are going to be trash because he's going to leave. I don't see it that way. Everything I've seen from the Green Bay Packers is that they want to keep him. Everything I've heard from Aaron Rodgers is that he wants to stay. And I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be true. He loves this team. He loves our franchise. He wants to be here. He knows this is his best shot to win. Although some people would probably disagree. And yeah, maybe if he went to New England, it would be a pretty good thing or whatever. I don't know. But he wouldn't exactly get to handpick his own team. He would get traded to somebody. He's wanted to retire a Packer, and I think the Packers are going to make that happen. And and that's that's where I'm at right now. I get to ask that all the time. I've waffled back and forth. But again, every single thing that I've heard and seen, because again, part of it is what is Rogers doing? He's healthy. He's determined. He's playing at a high level, two years in a row now. He's not showing any time signs of slowing down. He takes great care of his body just like Brady does. Um, and again, my question is can he give us five more years? If he can do five more years, there's no reason to move on. If we're talking two to three, eh, at that point it really falls on love. Like, do we think we have something here? I'm, I'm not going to abandon a guy that could be a future, you know, franchise quarterback for two years. I, I just I can't do that. I'm not that short-sighted. But again, you factor in Aaron Rodgers playing at about as high a level as he's ever played. I mean, I, I don't know that he's had two years back-to-back as well as he's playing right now. Um, the locker room's great. Everything's great. The continuity's great. Do we want to do a teardown and rebuild with with things going as well as they are? And by the way, we're a young team. You don't want to rebuild with a young team. Because by the time you get this thing going, you're going to have, you know, your, your, your guys like Rashawn and, and Jair, they're going to be 28, 29, 30. You don't want that. I don't think anybody wants that and you know are 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 the is Aaron Rodgers going to string him over the coals and say give me all the money maybe i don't know but um that's just where i'm at right now it's kind of a little side thing but it just that's just where we're going that's where my head's at by the way speaking of dara who's just he's just if you're not following him you're you're wasting your life away everything he tweets is just exactly useful um, he says a Saints win tonight would boost the Packers odds of getting the number one seed up to 80% per 538 ELO ratings. It stands at about 60% with the Buccaneers win. Where are we at with that game? It is now six to zero. So that's not going to be good enough. You can't be kicking field goals, but six to zero. I, I don't know why I'm updating you. You already know the score, but ooh, that was ugly. Fourth down punt. I should just stop watching it because I'm going to jinx this whole thing. Here's all right. One more clip, and then we're gonna move on. I gotta get going to bed, anyways. But we got a lot to cover yet. Maybe we'll do the the Patreon um, observations tomorrow. But here's here's another clip of Aaron Rodgers in the post game. We're gonna be Christmas there. Christmas Green Bay. Yeah, we heard you're Where getting else would our you stockings ready. Yeah. The guy's just having fun, man. You know what I mean? And and the team's just having fun. This is, you know, I I think I mentioned I saved that newspaper clipping when I saw that. You know, the the. Uh, Jordy at one point had invited the wide receivers out to his farm, and they were all getting. And I remember just thinking, like, who does that? You know, you don't hear about that stuff. That this was—you're starting to hear all the drama about all the nonsense going on off the field. And this is what our guys do. What a great locker room! And you heard about our offensive linemen getting together and playing like Catan or whatever that stupid board game was. You know what I mean? They're, they're just a pile of dorks that just hang out and have a good time. But it's good, clean fun. That's kind of where we're at right now. And and it's 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 all different things. You got guys being goofy. You got young guys having fun, and and you know, Jair with this whole swag thing, but you also just got good people. Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Mercedes Lewis, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they, they genuinely care about each other. They're genuinely playing for each other. You know, the, the respect and the fun that they have with Matt LaFleur, the respect and the fun they have with the offensive and defensive coordinators and all that kind of stuff. That's the one thing that gives me hope for the team is that they're not going to quit. They're, they're, you, you know, we, one of the biggest things that we've been talking about all year is that, that grit factor, which is, Essentially just digging deep and not giving up and and finding a way to win, I think this is a big part of it. They're not quitting because they're not quitting on each other. And they have a healthy belief. They believe in Aaron Rodgers, they believe in Mercedes Lewis, they believe in MVS, they believe in Joe Barry, they believe in Matt LaFleur, they believe in each other. Right? Despite the defense getting beat up, they believe in in Stokes and Savage and all that stuff. They believe in themselves, they believe in each other, and it's paying off. We've seen far too many times, especially all these, these seasons that have ended in, in defeat. These are generally teams where if things go well, great. If things go poorly, they start to put their head in their hands and get down on themselves and things get out of control and you're just a race against the clock. We're up by 14, but you know that they're just going to keep coming and coming and coming and coming and coming and um, we're, we're in big trouble, but this team just digs deep and they find ways to come up clutch when it matters. My man Draft Hobbyist on Twitter says the Packers are the first team to 11 wins, the first team to lock down the division. It, it really is a great day. For a lot of reasons, it's a great day. Just looking through some quotes and whatnot. Um, I, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here. It's just the first one I came across. Aaron Rodgers did his uh, his press conference, and this is via Matt Schneidman. Aaron Rodgers, quote, I love my teammates. I really do. I care about them so much. Um, how emotional do you think they're going to be? I mean, granted, they got to win the game, but how emotional is Aaron Rodgers going to be Christmas Day in Green Bay? I mean, come on, man, this is the stuff of fairy tales. The other interesting thing—I um, don't know if Matt asked this question or not—but the question was posed because he did—he tied Brett Favre's touchdown record, um, but he did not break it. And so the question was posed: Is there a part of you that's excited that Lazard dropped that touchdown because you have the opportunity to break it on Christmas Day? in Lambeau Field. He says the robot answer in me would be no. In other words, the coach speak thing would be no, no, no. I, I always want to win and you know you never want to. F-. But he says the human answer says yes. Why? Why Why is the human answer, why is the real answer essentially yes? Because it's about emotion, man. It's about what it means to him. I mean, it, it's not just the record, right? That's the point. See, there's a part of it where it's it's just about football. I just want to play I just want to get touchdowns. I just want to win championships. I just want to make money. That's sort of the robot part of it. The emotional side for Rodgers, right? Not for just anybody. Some people couldn't care less, but for Rodgers, it means something. He wants to not only break the record, he wants to be home when it happens. And to be able to do it on Christmas Day is such a special thing to him. That means something. He doesn't want to leave. I'm sorry to tell you. He just doesn't want. He's telling us very clearly he doesn't want to leave. Why Why would he leave? On what principle? Who is he doing it for? He wants to be there. His teammates want to be there. Who's he leaving for if he leaves? Why would he do it? For what? I mean, I I understand if the Packers decide to move on, if the Packers force the issue, if he just wants an incredible amount of money and the Packers say no, I, I guess that could be the answer. But he doesn't want to go. He really, really does not want to go. And that's such a cool thing. Because it, it's, it's not fun to to have Aaron Rodgers basically say, I don't want to be here anymore, and I want to leave because I don't get what I want, blah, blah, blah. That that didn't feel good as a Packer fan. You know what I mean? It was a spit in the face. But to see how much he loves it here and how much he wants to be here, even if he won't explicitly say the words, I'm never leaving or I don't ever want to leave, or which he has said those words. But even without saying it, it's good to hear it. But just real quick, let me run through a couple things. Actually, let's do PFF first. Their real quick recap... Um, and then I just want to run through the roster on my own for whatever they didn't mention. And, and we'll kind of just highlight a couple people that need some some highlighting. Oh, they don't even have it yet. Perfect. They're usually Johnny on the spot really fast with that. Um, first of all, the wide receivers outside of Alan Lazard, who seem to kind of be struggling a little bit today, but special shout out. And, and maybe he was a great blocker. I don't know. But special shout out, especially, Devontae was great, but especially to MVS. Man, what a great day he had. Um, And I think the biggest thing for me with Marquez is he's really developing into a good wide receiver. I, I mentioned that on a couple different games this year where it's nice to see him get involved in a role that's not just running down the field. I mean, getting involved on just these quick slants or whatever it is, and that touchdown pass, not only was it a clean route, but it was a great catch and for him to stretch out and get that touchdown. I mean, you're looking at that going, dude, that's like uh, that's like real big boy wide receiver stuff there. What is this? Most of his receptions that we've seen recently are these just quick short routes and they're clutch third downs and stuff that you just don't really see. I'm, I'm not saying he's never done it, but that's what he's primarily doing right now. He's, it's, real big boy wide receiver to territory and the great thing about that is the fact that he has that secondary secondary ability is what makes him so dangerous right I mean what you really want is a well-versed wide receiver that does a lot of this other stuff because the deep threat stuff it's cool but it's so gimmicky I mean you might get one or two a game but if you can do you know while there and Aaron Rodgers even said in this press conference something to the effect of they paid Devontae a massive amount of respect. They not only doubled him every single play for the most part, but they were showing some looks that that Roger said he's never seen before. So they were going out of their way to make up creative new ways to try to shut down Devontae. Even that didn't entirely work, but it did to some degree. But you need a guy like MVS to step up. And I'm sorry, if all you're doing is going 40 yards down the field, that's not going to be good enough. And he stepped up in a lot of other ways. I'm sure the stat line isn't the best he's ever had, but Seven targets, five receptions, 98 yards, and a touchdown, which I mean that is a great stat line, but it's just the way that he did it. It's it's the way that he got the yards. It's it's again, it's the the routes that he ran. It's just the clean hands and, and the the run after the catch. And just he's just getting involved in all the aspects that all these other guys do on a week-to-week basis that we just haven't seen a lot of from MVS. And it's just awesome to be able to see it. He had the same amount of targets as Devontae. I mean, he was tied for the most targets with seven, one less reception than Devontae with five, but he had 98 yards, which dwarfed anybody. He had more than double Devontae, who was in second place. So, I mean, and, and we've talked about it before. This is what you need. You need that one other guy to step up, and it doesn't have to be the same guy every time. I don't need MVS to be there every week, which would be great if he was, but as long as you got somebody, MVS one week, Aaron Jones the next week, A.J. Dillon next week, Mercedes Lewis the next week, Alan Lazard, whoever it is, as long as somebody's there getting the job done, it works. And it's it's great to see that. Josiah got a little bit involved, uh, five targets, three receptions. I mean, if he had one target in a game, I used to get jacked up. Now it's like, you know, he had five targets, three receptions, 16 yards. It's like, oh, man, it's a little bit of a down day for him. I mean, he's 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 coming on. I uh, was a little bit surprised to see Aaron Jones get as many carries as he did. Um it was working. I mean, the the best part about it is there were actually quite a, quite a bit of space to run in. So it did kind of work. Um, you know, it was one of those things where he went through the hole so fast that he was able to pick up a couple yards. But every time he ran through that hole and just got knocked down by Patrick Queen, I'm like, dude, if that was A.J. Dillon, I mean, I'm, I don't want to take away from it. And who knows, maybe Dillon would have been too slow through the hole. It wouldn't even been there. Maybe he wouldn't have even seen the hole. I don't know. But if that was A.J. Dillon, And he had wide open daylight, and the only guy there is Patrick Queen. He would have killed the guy. But again, it was just, it was a great day. They're mixing it up today. You know, usually A.J. Dillon's been out carrying Aaron Jones. This game, Aaron Jones got it, maybe because he's feeling a little bit healthier. I don't know, but 13 carries, 58 yards compared to A.J. Dillon's seven for 22. Dillon did his job. It was a lot of the grunt work, but he just, you know, grinding out 3.1 yards per carry, which isn't great, but there wasn't a lot for him, and he just made it work. He just smashed his way forward. I mean, just the, the. the offense is just working. That's it. It's it's just working, and 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 I think when this offense does well, there's two main components you you can continue on down the line. But there's there's two things that have to be happening. Aaron Rodgers has to be on point. If he's having a bad day, the offense isn't going to work. And number two is a lot of different things. A lot of different contributors. A lot of things are working, which that, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. There's only two things that need to be working, and that's uh, number one. A lot of things have to be working. But you know what I mean, right? It's 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 just, it's rhythm. You know, when we run and run the ball, it's not perfect, but it's there. You want to pass, it's it's Devontae. It's it's a lot of different contributors able to do just their job. Aaron Jones didn't crush it at 4.5 yards per carry. That's great. A.J. Dillon certainly didn't crush it at 3.1 but he did his job, and he and when he was called upon, he did what mattered. MVS stepped up. All these guys, they just did their job, again, with the exception of Lazard. Hate to keep dumping on the guy, but he had a couple bad drops in the game. But otherwise, it's just guys are just doing their job, and you don't see the, the silly mistakes. You don't see just bad play. You know, the offensive line wasn't perfect, but they, they for the most part, did a good job of pass blocking. Um, to be honest, it was one of the better run blocking performances I've seen, which, again, is a good thing because if 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 it had not been that way, I think running Aaron Jones all day would have been a nightmare. But fortunately, there were some wide open holes and there's nobody... I'd, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I would like to see A.J. Dillon go through a wide open hole. But it, it's it's a good call to have Aaron Jones because he's so, he's so quick. I don't want to say he's fast because in a foot race, A.J. is just as fast, if not faster. But he's so quick. I mean, he gets the ball and he's just shot out of a cannon. So whatever it is that they saw, it worked. So I'm not going to complain about it. Defense... Devondre Campbell led the team in tackles. Razul Douglas, again, with nine tackles. I he's always leading the team in tackles. Uh, Devondre with the one sack. I don't recall that, but he had the one sack. Tackles for a loss, uh, in addition to Devondre, was Chris Barnes, Rashawn Gary. Pass deflections, Adrian Amos, Eris, Eric Stokes, who I thought had a really good day, Dean Lowry, and uh, Kingsley Kiki. Just kind of ripping through some of the stats. But again, it was just it was just a good performance by everybody. Kudos to the offensive line. You know, maybe a little bit less to Dennis Kelly, but uh, overall, I'm just I'm just happy with it. It's 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 just again, it's just working. It's just working. It's just clockwork, and and it's something that we're familiar with. I mean, not just last year or even the year before that, but I mean, you go back to 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, and that in that span, when things are working, it's just. Things are just clicking. You know what I mean? And when things aren't working... I know it sounds self-explanatory, but you know what I mean. Something just isn't working when things are bad. Something's just a little bit off. The passes are a little bit off. The timing is a little bit off. It's like, what? why can't you just do it? And they make it look so easy when it's working. You just look at it and go, why couldn't you do this all year? I mean, just... He's open. I don't don't know why this was a hard thing before. But um, anyways... We got a lot more ground to cover. Uh stats, grades. I want to get to uh more of your thoughts on this game, which I will do tomorrow. Let's see if PFF updated yet. Ha! <laughs> they did. Just in time. All right, let's go through it and I'm going to bed. Uh let's see. Green Bay was in control throughout, thanks to another dominant performance from Aaron Rodgers, who once again appears in MVP form as the playoffs inch closer. There's no question in my mind, man. MV MVP uh, Who cares about MVP? That's not even the important part. The point is, that's how he's playing. He's playing up to the same standard that he did last year, which is just, that's all you could ever ask for. Now, as long as things don't collapse all around him, because again, I don't want this to look like every other Packers team where Aaron Rodgers is an MVP. You get Devontae Adams, you get some some play here and there from some other contributors. Defense is terrible. Special teams is terrible because we've seen how that season ends and it ain't pretty. But um, this is an important piece. Continuing on with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers was spectacular in Sunday's victory, throwing for 268 yards and three touchdowns on 23 of 31 passing. Last season's MVP appeared in control uh, throughout as he registered zero turnover-worthy plays and three big-time throws, finishing with his third-highest big-time throw rate, 9.7%, that is crazy high, so far this season. Rodgers tore through the Ravens' defense in the intermediate and deeper areas of the field, A season-high 54.8% of his attempts traveled past the first-down marker. A 17-year pro also found immense success in play action, completing 11 of 13 attempts for 130 yards. The team utilized play action 36.1% of the time. Green Bay's third-highest rate so far this season. That's pretty wild, man. Again, they're they're starting to find their groove a little bit. Looking at running backs, Aaron Jones was effective in his role as Green Bay's lead back, turning his 15 touches into 70 total yards and a touchdown. The fifth-year pro forced two missed tackles, uh, most among all Packers ball carriers, which doesn't, you know, I mean, it's him and A.J. Dillon pretty much. Devontae Adams drew a team-high seven targets, hauling in six for 44 yards and a touchdown. The perennial all-pro was deployed in the shorter and intermediate areas of the field at a much higher rate than usual. The star wide receiver remained Rodgers' most trusted target in the game's tightest moments, catching two of the three third-down targets for nine yards and two first downs. Mercedes Lewis was a key cog in Green Bay's offensive attack, catching each of his three targets for 40 yards and two first downs. The 37-year-old tight end has proved invaluable over the past two weeks, catching all seven targets for 91 yards across two contests. Lewis also exhibited some impressive capabilities as a ball carrier, forcing a team high four missed tackles. There you go, big dog. Looking at the offensive line, Green Bay's offensive line excelled in multiple facets Sunday, allowing just seven pressures. Again, they keep doing it. I can't wait to hear Michael Lombardi complain about how Matt LaFleur is an idiot for not uh, doing a better job protecting Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Allowing just seven pressures and three sacks. Again, there's three sacks, which you look at that and go, oh, it's seven pressures, dude. That's it. While powering a Packers rushing attack that averaged 3.8 yards per carry, starting center Lucas Patrick was just one of the unit's many standout members as the fifth-year pro failed to allow a single pressure. Looking at the defensive line, the Packers defensive line manhandled the Ravens up front, accounting for 18 pressures and two quarterback hits. Edge defender Preston Smith was one of the five Green Bay defensive linemen to finish with two or more pressures. He registered a team-high five pressures and two quarterback hits. The preliminary look is five pressures for Preston, five pressures for Rashawn, two for Kingsley Kiki. Uh, those are usually low every time I've looked at it, so we'll see what the final numbers are tomorrow, but those are pretty solid numbers. And again, I know they're not getting them down. The mobile quarterback thing is rough, but you get a more stationary quarterback, and I think these guys are just, they're chomping at the bit to just drill somebody into the ground. Devondra Campbell led all Green Bay defenders in t- with 10 tackles. Averaging three yards of depth per tackle, Campbell and his fellow Packers linebackers were equally impressive in coverage, surrendering just 25 yards and two first downs on five unit wide receptions. Finally, secondary. Green Bay's secondary was up and down in its performance, allowing receptions on 23 of the 32 unit wide targets for 190 yards and two touchdowns. Safety Adrian Amos drew five targets, yet conceded just two receptions for seven yards while registering one forced incompletion to finish with a unit low passer rating allowing, uh, allowed of 47.9. So, so far here, are the preliminary numbers, Eric Stokes, seven, uh, seven receptions on nine targets, only 35 yards, 82.9 passer rating. Darnell Savage was the guy that obviously got picked on the most eight targets, six receptions, 96 yards, 154.2 passer rating. Razul Douglas, seven targets, five receptions, 29 yards. Adrian Amos, we already heard and Chandon Sullivan, two targets, two receptions, 12 yards. So outside of Darnell Savage, I, the, the target numbers and the reception numbers weren't that good, but you start looking at 35 yards given up by Stokes, 29 by Razul, 12 by Chandon, and 7 by Amos. Um, everybody pretty much did a good job except Darnell, who was just in a... You know, I, you know what I've said a lot is Joe Barry not only is a good in-game defensive coordinator, but he does a great job of game planning. That's a major, major part that he does well. And I think this was just one that he got wrong. And maybe there just isn't a good matchup. Maybe maybe this just wasn't going to work. I don't know. But they came into this game thinking Darnell Savage was going to be the best matchup, and it was the wrong decision. And um, I, I, I tend to think that it's a little harder to switch things in game um, than we maybe think. But you know, whatever. We won the game. How do they not have any points yet? Uh, Tampa Bay was at like the 45-yard line in driving. And they apparently didn't give up a score for some reason. But they're doing it again. They're at the same, basically the same yard line. Anyways, um, I'm going to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.